Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. It is my job to feed your soul. And since the culinary landscape is ever evolving, on this show, you'll hear from chefs and pastry aficionados, restaurateurs, molecular gastronomers, and food bloggers, some pretty famous cookbook authors, a few wine geeks, a beer expert or two. And of course, we dish on fabulous food, wine and spirits, travel, health, and living the best life because I cover everything that truly feeds your soul. So I hope you won't miss a Sunday of delicious conversation with me. If you're a passionate food and wine lover, well then stay tuned because of course the Cooking Channel and Food Network host, now PBS star Ellie Krieger, is stopping by. She has some healthy tips for entertaining before summer runs out. Okay, so I always kick off the show with a lesson, a tutorial, hopefully to make you a better cook in your own kitchen. And I'm here to tell you today that you're cooking fish all wrong. You see, aside from grilling a beautiful piece of salmon on a cedar plank with a maple chipotle glaze before summer ends... Fall and winter are going to come around, and you're going to be standing in front of the fish case at your gourmet supermarket or with your fishmonger, and you're going to see gorgeous shrimp or salmon or halibut, and you might be tempted to quickly saute it. But wait, this is the moment that you master olive oil poaching. Because once you have tasted the silky, beautiful succulents of olive oil poached fish, you just didn't know before what you were missing. And don't change the station, touch your dial, you know, go to another podcast or even shake your head at me, please, because it's not greasy fried fish that I'm talking about. It's actually a technique that delivers tender, juicy, flavorful results, and it is neither difficult or messy. So you should keep listening because you are going to be a master olive oil poacher. And in the end, yes, you will thank me. So olive oil poaching is all about texture. I use a foolproof three-step method for the silkiest, most luxurious fish that you've ever tasted. And you can try it out with recipes from, as I mentioned, shrimp to salmon, halibut, even tuna. Think about olive oil poached shrimp with a fresh tomato sauce over pasta, oh so good, or olive oil poached salmon with smashed potatoes and broccolini for dinner. Yum, right? How about olive oil poached halibut with a fennel puree? Oh yes. And I love to olive oil poach tuna and serve it cold or even on a sandwich with a Dijon balsamic vinaigrette. It's interesting, olive oil poached fish actually lends itself very well to eating it cold. So the leftovers are luscious. Now, poaching fish in the most traditional classic French technique is gently cooking it in a liquid over low heat. Traditionally, it's a light broth. It's also called a court bouillon. And the finished fish comes out very delicious and light and flaky. And it's lovely and very classical. 
Well, this classic technique is the foundation for a very different way of cooking fish, which is poaching in olive oil. Very simply, the method involves submerging a piece of fish in a bath of warm olive oil and then cooking it at a low temperature to the perfect doneness. Now, the fish emerges with this silky texture and this very pure flavor that is far from fishy, and you really can't achieve it with any other cooking method. So it's really very easily done. You take the fish out of the refrigerator, you season it with salt and pepper, and you let it sit at room temperature for at least a half hour and up to an hour, because the goal is to bring it as close to room temperature as possible without letting it get warm, essentially. This is going to ensure that when you olive oil poach, the fish cooks evenly all the way through at the same time, as in the same time span, you know, from the exterior to the interior. Now, you heat olive oil in preferably a wide saute pan, one that has sides, also called a sauteuse, and you heat it just until 120 degrees. You can use a candy thermometer um, or uh, an, an instant read, you know, to monitor the temperature. And then you add the fish and you transfer the pan with the fish in it to the oven, Now, the oven is set at 250 degrees, by the way, and once the fish in the olive oil in the pan is in the oven, you count on your kitchen timer for exactly 25 minutes. Now, by the way, I have seen olive oil poaching done by chef friends and comrades and on television like you have a multitude of ways. You can actually do it on top of the stove at 180 degrees, but you have to monitor it and keep track of it and check the thermometer often. I happen to like this foolproof oven method. Once again, you bring the oil up to 120 degrees, you carefully lay in the fish, and you transfer it to a 250-degree oven. It's just that simple. Now, I have a few chef's tips to guarantee that your first olive oil poached fish is perfect. The best fish for olive oil poaching are very rich in flavor. Like I mentioned, the salmon, the halibut, the tuna, uh, for sure. And you want to make sure that your fish steaks, or you can use fillets, that's what I prefer, are at least three quarters of an inch thick. One inch thick is even better. Now, the oil itself should be extra virgin because it has the richest flavor and it penetrates the fish, Uh, but you don't have to use the most expensive extra virgin olive oil because you will need quite a bit of it. And then, as I mentioned as well, the pan itself needs to be a straight sided saute pan or a pan that will hold the fish in a single layer. You don't want to crowd it by overlapping, but you can fit a, a pretty good amount of fish in there. And then I will tell you, one of the most remarkable things about the technique that I use for olive oil poached fish is that 25 minutes is a magic number. There is something brilliant about the fact that it doesn't matter halibut or tuna or salmon If you let the fish sit out at room temperature, because if you take it straight from the fridge, it will lower the temperature of the oil when you add it. That 25-minute magic number works every time. And the best indicator is the appearance of little white droplets of what are albumin or protein on the outside of the fish. And you can always take a paring knife and just make a, a little cut and check that the fish is cooked all the way through. 
But I will say, once you master the technique, you will be fully addicted. Because you see, this pan that's filled with olive oil that's poaching fish gives you an opportunity to cook a few other things. Oh, by the way, you can olive oil poach chicken too. Now, I like to take a whole head of garlic, cut it in half, and throw it in. And I will tell you, you get the most creamy, delicious, beautiful roasted garlic cloves to spread on bread. And it really adds beautiful fragrance and flavor to the oil. Now, you can also add other vegetables. Like if you add carrots alongside the fish, they are tremendous. They turn soft and bright orange and they are so scrumptious. And there are lots of other things that you can olive oil poach as well. And I will gladly share more tips and tricks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, and also on my website where you'll find recipes galore at chefjamie.com. Really, there is no better way to pay tribute to a perfectly fresh piece of seafood. So I hope you will try it out and let me know what you think of olive oil poaching. You can always email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. And then, of course, if you want to become a master chef, techniques like this are shared at the start of every show, and you can find podcasts of this show that you might have missed on iTunes, FeedBurner, and Blueberry, and they'll come directly to your phone every week so that when you walk in the morning, I can definitely attempt to make you hungry as you listen to a podcast. You'll find them posted from my homepage just at the center of the page as well at chefjamie.com. And then, of course, don't touch your dial. Because the sweet and ever lovely, all-knowing, and healthful to boot, (laughs) Ellie Krieger is here. Also, did you know that maple syrup has extraordinary health benefits? There's a doctor here who will tell you all about it. And before the end of the hour, I love her. She's a master herbalist and classic homeopath full of passion. Sarah Hanna Silverstein is making for us a homeopathic first aid kit now that we're back to school and oh yes you need one and stay right where you are because the delicious conversation continues right after this i'm chef jamie gwen in your radio i thank you for listening and i'll be right back Dedicated to great taste, welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This time of year is busy with everything from end of summer get-togethers to -to back-to-school potlucks, right? And the more, the merrier when it comes to celebrating with fabulous food. And of course, who doesn't love to celebrate with Ellie Krieger? New York Times bestselling and James Beard award-winning author, Ellie Krieger certainly knows how to whip up fantastic recipes for a crowd. She's always showcasing easy ways to get nutritious and delicious family meals on the table at a really great value. You know her and love her as the host of Ellie's Real Good Food on PBS and for her New York Times bestselling cookbooks and, of course, her weekly column in the Washington Post. Well, she's back 
to dish. And I am so delighted because Elliot has been too long. How are you? Happy summer. Happy summer. (laughs) Yes, I love this time of year. It's like, to me, this is like the most relaxing, fun time of year. And I feel like people are always coming around and they always want to be fed. (laughs) That's true, right? And we have to savor it because it seems to go so fast. Like August, you know, came so quickly and it makes me want to get everybody together and just really enjoy the time. And I love that you are often feeding a crowd and that you talk about how to stretch a recipe. So just give us some insight. What's on your table, you know, for next weekend's shindig? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, one of the things in talking about um, stretching, you know, there's, it's sort of like one of my key things, I think, for managing this time of year and to do it sort of like gracefully without, and also being able to have fun is to stock up, right? So really making sure that you have um, things on hand that you're going to be able to whip up into quick and easy kind of treats for people. And I have some ideas to share with you. But um, one of the things that people are often thinking about stocking up on, like dry goods and things like that, but I really recommend also from, you know, taste and health perspective, thinking about the fresh foods that you can stock up on. So things like yogurt and prepared hummus and many kinds of vegetables can last a couple of weeks, um, and things like eggs and yogurt can last three weeks in your refrigerator. So you can kind of have these ingredients on hand, and it makes it that much easier. Like you don't have to run out to the store every time you have guests coming over, but you have fresh, healthy foods. One of my favorite things to do is stock up on cucumbers, right? Because I love to make these cucumber cups. I'm sure you've made these before, but I don't think people realize how incredibly easy it is to do. And it's the kind of thing that, like, okay, it's so much better for you and healthier than, like, a cracker or a puff pastry or something. And it's so elegant and also really affordable. And super simple. You know, Ellie, I'm the one that asks for cucumber instead of pita chips or, you know, otherwise when I'm at the Mediterranean restaurant because I love the crunch and I do feel I'm eating healthier that way. And so what do you do? Do you cut them into pieces and then scoop out the center so they act as little, you know, holding vessels? Exactly. And so you have your, like you're saying, you order cucumber instead of pita at a Mediterranean place. So I think about this notion of like, Cucumber and hummus, right? Yes. Um, and so here this is, this uh, recipe that I developed that is just so easy, and it takes, it basically elevates your basic cucumber and hummus. So you take your cu- cucumber and you cut it crosswise into like three-quarter inch thick pieces. Okay. And then you just take a little melon baller or right. even a little spoon, and you just scoop out the center. It's so easy. Smart. Like my daughter helps me with this. <laughs> um, and you can do it all, actually, this part ahead of time. If you know you have a, people coming over and you want to, you know, you can do them a day or two ahead of time and put them in like an airtight container so they're done. And then I like to, I like to put my hummus into like a, a, a plastic bag and make like a little homemade piping bag. But you could actually use a spoon if you want, but you just just fill it with hummus. You, and then my recipe is you fill it with hummus, and then you put toasted pine nuts on top, mm. a sprinkle of either mint and or chopped parsley, and then a nice generous drizzle of extra virgin olive oil. And it looks gorgeous. It has all of these kind of textural elements, the crunch from the cool crunch from the cucumber, the crunch from the nuts, the smooth, creamy hummus. 
And then it has all the nutritional elements. You get protein from the hummus. You get your vegetables and, and, and healthy fats. So it's all good. It's all there. Yeah, I, I love that it does make you look like, as you know, I say culinary hero. Like you really fuss to make something, you know, very extraordinary. But it is so yeah. super simple. I saw recently you posted, I know you're big on veggies and you always have been. And I love that. But you posted a zucchini noodle salad. And I thought about the opportunity to make it ahead for a party and what a really nice compliment it would be to great grilled foods. So I'm moving from cucumber to, do, to zucchini to stay mm. on the veggie front. Yeah, I love that. And, that, and, too, and zucchini is another one that you can buy several. Yes. And they keep well. You know, it's a nice hearty vegetable. So you can buy in volume and save <laughs> essentially by doing that. But anyway, I, I was... <laughs> I was always skeptical of, like, the spiralizer thing. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, whatever. I can make noodles by, with just using my, um, my vegetable peeler. But, and I did, and you can. <laughs> but when I, try, I finally had a chance to try the spiralizer for myself, and I couldn't believe how entertained I was. <laughs> it, it really is. It's sort of like a party in the kitchen. I agree with you. I loved reading that um, Washington Post piece of yours because it felt ver- very real. Ellie Krieger's using a spiralizer. I love it. <laughs> it. And I loved it. And the salad is so delicious. So you just like spiralize the zucchini. And, um, and then, yes, yeah, it actually is better when you let it drain. So it's one of those things. Make ahead. Really make ahead. Yeah, exactly. For sure. And I love the idea that you're, you're putting in here with um, serving it with grilled food because it's a perfect partner for that. Yeah, nice, light, and bright. Um, Back to school is quickly approaching. Are you starting to plan meals and freeze in bulk, seeing that you're buying in bulk for volume? Yeah, well, so, you know, my my latest book, You Have It Made, that's what it's all about. That's right, I love it. And that's a perfect way to really, you know, stay ahead of the curve because you know that it's all going to hit the fan in September, (laughs) right? That's (laughs) true. So, yes, absolutely. Like, one of the things um, I made recently was uh, some spinach pies, mm. like Greek spinach pies. Yum. I, love to, I love to make those, and those freeze so beautifully, and they're just great for dinners and uh, even little snacks and stuff. So I guess we're on the Mediterranean talk today, we? Aren't are, we? we are. See, but, but that's so very Ellie to me. We know that your PBS series, Ellie's Real Good Food, uh, can be seen across the country. And uh, of course, you know, I've always loved uh, your books and uh, your commitment to healthy eating. And so we will continue to follow. You can find flavorful, healthy solutions for real good food every day at elliekrieger.com. And when you have more time, will you stop by again and share your plans for fall feasts. Ellie, I'd love to have you back. Oh, yes. Great to talk with you, Jamie. And Thank take you. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your summer. And you too. Happy summer to you. As the delicious conversation continues, we do have great culinary thinkers on this show. And she is Ellie Krieger. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this.
The delicious conversation continues. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. We're talking the sweet perks of maple syrup today. Maple syrup, one of the sweeteners you should be using because similar to the contrast between uh, whole and refined grains, unrefined natural sweeteners like maple syrup contain higher levels of very beneficial nutrients and some antioxidants and far better than white table sugar by research standards. Did you know, though, that maple syrup can lessen inflammation, increase brain power, and even help your gut? Well, it's all the more reason to drizzle it on those pecan pancakes or stir it into your oatmeal tomorrow morning or even mix it into a vinaigrette, which I love to do. Dr. Navindra Serum is a renowned researcher from the University of Rhode Island who organized the first ever global symposium focused entirely on the potential health benefits of pure maple syrup. And he is here to dish. And I'm very glad to have you. Hi, Dr. Serum. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for having me on your show. Yes, of course. I love maple syrup, Dr. Serum. First off, you should know that. So I would love if you would share... Uh, more about your research because that thrills me exponentially. Sure thing, um, <laughs> um, Jamie. Well, I, I was actually um, originally from the Caribbean, so never ever knew that huh. maple syrup is not pancake syrup. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> and I've only been in the USA for about 20 years. But when I came here, you know, I, um, I was at the West Coast. Um, um, I was working at UCLA. I still didn't know until I moved to the East Coast to the University of Rhode Island in 2010. 2010 or they were about 20, 20, 2009. Mm-hmm. And hey, I was, I was so taken by this natural product, which is, as you know, Jamie, it's produced by collecting sap from maple trees and then boiling it down. It's, it's unrefined. It's, it's um, unadulterated. There is nothing added, of course. And it produces this sweetener that's natural. Mm. Um, it has sucrose, which we all know is, um, is, is responsible for its sweetness. But, you know, interestingly enough, because I'm a natural product chemist, um, we're interested in finding out what is in, in natural foods, um, including um, this sweetener. And, and of course, we knew it's, it had sucrose, but we were quite blown away to find out that there are natural antioxidant compounds that many medicinal plants produce. You know, green tea has the same, red wine, whole wheat, uh, berries, and so on. But in the processing or of, of collecting the sap from the trees, the trees are sucking uh, minerals and, and they have vitamins and amino acids in the sap, which is like the lifeblood. Right. And of course, these, these numerous, over 65 antioxidant compounds that we subsequently isolated and identified. Which, aside from it being luscious, is really very uh, novel insight, which is why I ask that you come on and share it. This is new research that you've expanded on the science of maple's impact, essentially. And it really is amazing to see that there is a, a very real benefit of uh, ingesting maple syrup to benefit chronic inflammation, right? Brain health, and even this healthy gut that is, you know, the topic of conversation everywhere. Exactly, Jamie. And as you just said, you know, I love that you said drizzle um, on your 
uh, drizzle because, you know, we want to educate folks that, first of all, it's a sweetener. It, it belongs among sweeteners. And like any other food, everything should be consumed in moderation. But we believe, based on the research that we have conducted in our group and from other groups, that um, if you're choosing a sweetener, um, that this is a sweetener that has all of these, um, you know, macronutrients, micronutrients, and these phyto, phytonutrients. And indeed, the research is, is fairly new. I think things kind of aligned. I was moving to the East Coast, taking up a job here in Rhode Island. Mm. Um, Quebec, the Federation of uh, Maple Syrup Producers in Quebec, um, right up north from us, they came down, they visited uh, with me, and they said, you know, Navindra, we know that maple syrup is a sweetener. It has sucrose. But what else does it have? And what else in the sweetener could potentially impart a health benefit to the sweetener? So compared to refined sugar alone, um, or refined sucrose alone, as 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 we know, um, it, many people would use this 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 natural sweetener has sucrose. But then we believe because of the entire cocktail of these nutritious um, other um, substances, if you will, mm-hmm. in the sweetener, that the matrix of this natural sweetener is better for you than pure refined cane sugar alone, for example. Right. And I thought it was interesting in my research uh, that I found out that maple syrup is considered a low glycemic food that it versus other sweeteners does register on the lower glycemic side, making it one of, again, an additional benefit, one of the better choices. Sure, for sure. And, you know, we always want to be cautious with people. You know, if you're diabetic, you want to watch your consumption of sugar. Yes. Um, but, but for it. sure, you know, there is data that, you know, it, and indeed it has a lower glycemic index. So I think it belongs in the sweetener category. I think it's a healthier choice. When I choose to give my, my children, my kids, um, mm-hmm. topping on their pancakes, I choose to give them pure pure maple syrup. Yes. And, you know, I integrate it in different recipes, and you know mm-hmm. all the good stuff. Oh, um, of course. I'm, I'm sure, um, Jamie, you're an expert at that. Well, I do, I do use it in so many things. And that is a, a true doctor speaking, what you just alluded to, right? We need to be cautious of those, you know, that have the, the health concerns. When I drizzle maple syrup, it's grade B. And because I was taught by a very early on a chef mentor whom I worked for in professional kitchens, that if you were to buy a bottle of maple syrup or identify the product that was being delivered to the restaurant at the time when I was, you know, doing inventory, you were always to look for grade B. And there is a grading system when it comes to maple syrup. You want to look for quality maple syrup. Right. You want to look for pure maple syrup. Right. Which should only, you know, on the ingredient on that bottle, it should only be maple syrup. Period. Right. Um, (laughs) We don't want people to be confused about pancakes flavored with artificial maple flavoring and so on. Um, but but you, you, you're right, um, 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 Jamie, the, the color differs as the season, and, and maybe your, your listeners know this. Um, again, I, I'm not from the U.S. here, from Canada, Eastern North America, where it's produced, so I didn't know this. But um, as the season of, of tapping the trees, it's very short. It's late winter, early spring. It's about three weeks, very, very quick. As the season gets, gets later into the spring, in that very narrow window, the syrup that's obtained becomes darker. And the darker the color of the maple, then the the grade increases, B, C, and D, and so on. How fascinating. Well, then I've been doing the right thing all along unknowingly. 
You have and, been doing the right thing. Yes, and that I, thrills me. Do you know, I was told, Dr. Serum, that grade C and D are usually what the um, maple syrup producers keep for themselves. It's sort of like the best cuts uh, that the butcher keeps, right? You know, that they'll sell the baby back ribs or, uh, or the filet mignon, but the ribeye cap, uh, also known as the deckle, that's what the butcher keeps and takes home and grills. So um, if I could get my hands on some grade C or D... Uh, I'm, I'm certainly grateful to to meet you now because I'm going to know where to tap into. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I know some people predominantly use maple syrup as a topping on pancakes, and we want to tell people, hey, think outside the box. Put right. it in your cooking. Use it in your recipes and so on. And indeed, you know, the darker the grade, you know, um, people may not like the flavor because it may be too hard for them as a topping on pancakes. But if you want to be making cocktails, if you're drinking responsibly and, and using this in your recipes, mm. go for the darker grades for sure. Oh, definitely so. Well, I commend you on your research, and I thank you for uh, certainly taking on a natural food uh, to find such beautiful benefits for something that so many of us absolutely adore. And I know that you are continuing uh, your research at the University of Rhode Island, rather, and for that, uh, we thank you very much. I will put my two cents in and say that... uh, Pure maple syrup is a great flavor boost, and specifically Canada maple syrup, which Dr. Serum is speaking to, um, is fabulously full of flavor. And I do. I add it to my marinades uh, for chicken and pork. I throw it into a vinaigrette. I'll use it in place of simple syrup for um, iced tea or iced coffee. It sweetens my lemonade. I make maple pecans for over ice cream come winter. Dr. Serum, you're invited anytime. Thank you so much. And, and your listeners can go to purecanadamaple.com if they want to get more information about pure, pure Canadian maple syrup. Yes, thank you. And the potential health benefits, of course. Um, yes, my pleasure. Thank you for being here. There is even more benefit to a drizzle of maple syrup. I've made myself hungry. We'll take a quick break, grab a snack, and come on back. There's more right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, nourishing your soul. Sarah Hanna Silverstein is a master herbalist and classic homeopath, and she's all about integrating alternative 
with conventional medicine. She serves as a lecturer and consultant to obstetricians, general doctors, and pediatricians. She writes for national magazines to better your health and to make wellness a priority. So we are continuing our three-part series today on A Better You, and Sarah Hanna is back to share her knowledge because the more enlightened you are, the more empowered you are. Well, you don't have to spend a ton of money to be empowered or enlightened, nor to have a complete first aid kit at home. You just have to be in the know. So school is upon us, and right, we're back to school now, and you'll need some of these herbal remedies for common ailments. Of course, Sarah Hanna enlightens us to this herbal first aid kit, an arsenal of home remedies that will certainly give you healing properties. And scientists are starting to substantiate these plants' abilities. Sarah Hanna is here to share them, and I'm very glad to have you. Welcome back. Thank you, Jamie. Yes. It's such a pleasure speaking with you. And I'm glad to have you. Okay, as far as a first aid kit, we don't have to go to the drugstore and stock up on $150 worth of boxes and bottles and salves and otherwise, right? So let's start with uh, the challenges and then you give the solution. Right. So, you know, I mean, having a lot of products from the, from the pharmacy is always beneficial if you have them there, they're there for your using. But there's so many other things that, as you said, are less expensive and in my opinion, a little more powerful. So I'd love to start with green clay, which is not an herb. It is just clay from the ground. And Jamie, you know, I always think about like if I only had a couple things I could take with me on my travels, green clay would be one of them. And anybody that's in the kitchen a lot or little or all the time needs green clay. Green clay is one of my all-time favorites for kitchen burns. Now, green clay you can purchase at any health food store, and it'll say French green clay for facials. You can certainly use it for a facial, but I use it in many other ways. So, so if you smart. get a kitchen burn right. that grease kinds of flies, or you go to take something out of the oven and you get those two little burns on the side of your arm, if you take green clay, mix it with a little bit of water into a paste, and put it over a burn, I'm telling you, Jamie, you can barely see it the next day. It is, in my opinion, Amazing. That's brilliant. Where have you been all of my culinary career, Sarah Hanna? See? Okay, so green clay first and foremost. First and foremost, and I want to tell you, this is how you use it. You make it into a paste, and you put it over the burn. It will dry and begin to crumble. If you still feel that burning sensation, which you often will, you will put another layer and another layer. So depending on how intense the burn is, of course, if it's a major burn, you go to the hospital, Jamie. Those are not the burns we're talking about. No. We're talking about those, you know, that happen all the time. Basic kitchen burns, of course. Understood. And you layer it, and what happens is it does not stain your clothing, which is even more amazing because it could be you have that gorgeous silk shirt on, and you threw on an apron and quickly decided to cook, and you get burnt, of course. Um, And it will just crumble off. You don't even have to wash it off. It'll crumble off within the next couple hours. And I'm telling you, Jamie, I bake bread every Friday. And when I bake my bread and I go to pull it out of the oven, I am multitasking. I've got on the phone, talking to kids, and inevitably I get that little line across my forearm. If I take time to put green clay on it, by Sunday I see nothing. If not, it can be there for weeks. Super smart. One of the things that I love about your suggestions and insight, Sarah Hanna, is that there are practical approaches that apply to 
young and old. And so I think it's really a testament to the fact that creating an herbal first aid kit at home and bringing light to it can be applied no matter your age or your ailment. There are wonderful homeopathic approaches that are worth a try. Absolutely. And if you are elderly and on a handful of medications, Taking Arnica is not contraindicated. Mm. And if you just bang your head, I mean, you don't have to have an extreme like you broke your leg, Jamie. Just if you bang your head or you twist your ankle, I mean, these things happen all day long. Arnica is definitely something to have in your kitchen and in your purse or briefcase. Super smart. We're continuing our series with our third part rather coming up. We're going to talk about women's wellness. So you will be back. uh, And I am grateful for that. I thank you for uh, the insight and for sharing your passion always. Thank you, Jamie. It's a pleasure. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of culinary entertainment. I do hope that you gained wisdom and that you'll tune in every Sunday for more fabulous food and wine galore in your radio. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for today. Labor Day might mark the end of grilling season, depending upon where you live. So why not grill it up? I have a Labor Day dessert recipe for you because grilling fruit while the grill is still hot at the end of the meal is so my thing. You can complete your barbecue festivities with what I call pineapple shortcake. You just grill slices of pineapple that have been brushed with a sweet, lovely cinnamon-infused simple syrup of sorts. And then you grill some pound cake, could be store-bought or homemade. And then you layer it all with just absolutely heaping beautiful spoonfuls of whipped cream or scoops of vanilla bean ice cream and you get that sweet spicy smoky wonderful flavor it's so good so you're going to combine a few tablespoons of honey or maple syrup or agave your choice with a teaspoon of ground cinnamon and you will brush the ripe pineapple slices with the mixture and just grill them until they get grill marks on both sides, about two minutes or so. Then you'll grill the pound cake slices as well, just to heat them through. And so they get all toasty and golden and then just layer that toasted pound cake, the glazed pineapple, whipped cream or ice cream, top it off with a fresh sprig of mint. And oh, you have a grand grilled dessert. What time is your barbecue? I'll be right over. (laughs) I'll post my pineapple shortcake recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find my daily dish at Chef Jamie Gwen. And of course, you can find lots more delicious inspiration at chefjamie.com. Podcasts of this show that you might have missed can also be found on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen as the scrumptious conversation continues. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I thank you for listening and I hope you continue to eat well.